We had a, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We'll be revisiting the shepherds again. Different study, looking at a little bit different angle, but nonetheless. Uh, we had a great Sunday last Sunday. All Sundays are great, but last Sunday was just a blessing with all of the hard work the kids and the adults put in. Uh, we figured we had somewhere between uh, three and 400 people here that day between the morning service and the, after, or the evening service. Some of the people in the evening service were people that were there in the morning service too, keeping that in mind. About 15 people got saved throughout the day, and so again, that was a blessing as well. And it wasn't me or mine, it was us, and it was all our efforts, and all of our efforts as they were put together, God just simply blesses. So back to Luke, Luke looking at the shepherds, only we're going to be examining the Christ child once again, and as we look at the Christ child, I'm I'm just thinking, from what perspective, you know, what do I give a theological teaching, or do I give a devotional teaching? Well, tonight you're getting more of a devotional teaching, tomorrow will be more of a theological teaching. Um, One other thing that we're going to be doing a little bit different tonight, we're not going to have a last song at the end of service. Mike and Andy are going to be in the fellowship area playing Christmas carols, and so just to encourage you to stick around and to fellowship and just to enjoy one another's company. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8, the text that we used last Sunday, speaking of shepherds, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now, I think about this angel, and we have this perception of angels, usually in the form of feminine or some kind of cherubim, as we have described cherubim, but an angel is an imposing figure. Matter of fact, it just kind of jumped out at me as he says, uh, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Angels are always saying that. And when we see them in the scriptures, they're always telling the person they're appearing to, to not be afraid. And so what we're seeing is, is these figures that are larger than life, an amazing thing, but the thing really that, that causes them to be so, well, so overwhelming, I, I really believe, as we see them in the scriptures anyway, is the message. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the message, because the message, it opens up our hearts. The message is a message that reveals who we are. It's why so many people shun the message. It's why so many people come up against the message. Well, I tell you, don't be afraid, because it's ultimately a message of love, although it will require your life. And so Luke, Luke, Luke is the good doctor. He's a physician. And if you look at chapter 1 at the beginning, he says, as much as I have taken, verse 1, as much as I have taken into hand to sit into order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled amongst us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things which you were instructed. And so his purpose, he's writing to this man who's a lover of God. That's what Theophilus means. More than likely, now it was common back in those days, that one of your slaves would be a doctor. Very possibly that Dr. Luke was Theophilus' slave. Theophilus may not be this man's name. 
It may be more of a pet name that Luke has. Maybe this man came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through Luke's ministry. But nonetheless, he's given this orderly account. And so just as that angel brought those good tidings of great joy to those shepherds, Luke is God's messenger bringing this message to our ears even here tonight. It was Luke's desire to record the ministry of Jesus Christ in this gospel Later on in the book of Acts, he will record the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So what Luke has done here is, he's constructed a research paper interviewing those who are eyewitnesses of Jesus' ministry. And so what we have here in Luke is what witnessing is all about. It's what he has heard. It's what he's been told. And he's assembled these things together to present this text as a proof of who Christ is. And so what we're going to be looking at. Now, I don't know that he interviewed any shepherds, but what we're going to see is what the shepherds say. He wasn't there when all of this transpired. Again, I don't know who he heard it from, but it is confirmed through the other Gospels. But we're going to be looking at the shepherds, and as the shepherds went, as the shepherds were there. I mean, if you could talk to one of those shepherds. Well, I heard you were one of the guys. One of the guys that the angels appeared to that night. You were one of the guys who went into that, into that stall and you saw that baby laying in a manger. Tell me what you saw. Describe what you saw. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. And so the first thing that the shepherds say that they saw was, they say that they saw a baby who was born to them. And again, think of that. These shepherds, shepherds at that time were rejected by society. Now, we have the witness of the shepherds here, but to the Jew, that wouldn't mean a whole lot because a shepherd's testimony wouldn't even be accepted in court. But, but just tell us, what did you see? I, I saw this baby that when I looked into its eyes, there was just the knowledge that this baby was, was born to me. Was born to me. It, it, it's very personal. Because when I think of a baby born, I think in the context of what the parents are receiving. I personally received a son and three daughters, I have so far received three grandsons and one granddaughter and one to be determined. And as I look at those, I still, really the parents are the ones who have ownership. Those parents were born unto them. As far as the last part of what I just said, don't worry about that because I'm not supposed to say anything yet. (laughs) But what these shepherds say that they saw in the Christ child is not a son born to his father, but a child who was born to all humanity. All humanity. But the shepherds would say, well, he's born unto us. And you can say, well, (laughs) I'm 2,000 years later. He was born unto me as well. All humanity that existed back then, but exists today. And again, this is very personal, but it's also something that is, well, it was facilitated by the Father. This little child brought unto us by the Father that was facilitated by John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave a son, so loved the world that He presented a child to all humanity. And again, this was while we were still sinners. This is why the shepherds were just out in the field doing what they always did. I know when the Christ came into my life, I was just doing what I always did, but He came in in a way that was undeniable and undeniably real. As it is God's intent for a child to be born out of the love that a husband has for a wife and what they share together, this baby was born from the love that the father possessed for all of humanity. 
We know what facilitated the Father to send His Son. Again, John 3.16. We know what motivated the Father to send this baby to mankind. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Now, I could have the warped thought, if that person's going to be in heaven, I'm not so sure it's heaven. And again, there, there's, there, we can so easily pay favorites in humanity, but God looks upon all of mankind, no matter who they are, and desires to see them saved. There's nobody who is beyond his salvation. He's God. Salvation, again, is a miracle of God, and he's able to cut through all of our sin and all of our hard-heartedness to reach to the core of the issue, and he's going to use this child to accomplish that. The father was so motivated because man was tied to the railroad tracks and definitely a train was coming. Because of this, he gave great promises, but through the sending of his son, he fulfilled promises. Unfulfilled promises? Unfulfilled promises are empty and useless. But God, as he gave such great promises and fulfilled those promises, were gathering in a place 2,000 years ago. Now, amazing, if you could enter into that time when the shepherds came and they saw this child, realizing that this child was born unto them, born unto me, a single shepherd would say, and you can say, we're going to be gathering in this place in America, in California, in Ontario. We're going to be gathering 2,000 years later, give or take, after the fact, celebrating this birth. And can you imagine what that would mean to them how how amazing this event that they know is so special and and how it's going to continue to give and it's going to continue to change lives so many years even after the fact. And we also know what resulted from the father sending his son because we cannot leave that child in a manger. Just a little bit more to the right, Luke chapter 2, same chapter, different verse, verse 35. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. That baby, those words were spoken to Mary, his mother, that baby one day is going to die for all of humanity. But it was a divine death. It was a death that was necessitated because of our sinful nature. Romans chapter 5, verses 9 through 11, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. If for when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. He was born unto us. Born unto us so that I might be reconciled with God. So that the anger would be appeased and the enmity would be done away with. That I could approach God. I could come before Him in prayer. That I can, well, I can bring my sin before Him and understand that He will take it away. Again, there was that time in all of our lives. Again, Sunday morning, we'll look back and we see the people that gave their heart to the Lord. But Sunday night, there was one that was just so special because it became personal to me. And that um, Kim or Kelly usually send them back to, you know, anybody who raised their hand to go, you know, talk to those guys afterwards. They weren't there that night, so I said, I'll, I'll be in the back. And I went back and I took my microphone off and the last song was going off and this lady just came back just in tears and she was just sobbing and 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 my wife happened to be there and they went in the back room and you just see the genuineness of somebody giving their heart to the lord 
And I'm just thinking, it's just a miracle. Because here's a baby that was born unto that lady for Sunday night. And, 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 but you look at what happened. I mean, again, look at it third party. We gathered together and we sang a bunch of songs. The kids came and did a Charlie Brown play. A message was given. An invitation was offered. And obviously, the invitation was received. And really what I look at, regardless of how good or how bad or whatever, anything, the, the message, the, the, the play, the worship, and all of that, God inhabited it. He inhabited what occurred. And now because he inhabited what occurred, he inhabits this woman's life. And he changed this woman's life just even before our eyes so much that she was completely undone. But now she's being built back up in the Lord and the ways of the Lord. Uh, she lives up in Burbank, and we've contacted her Calvary Chapel and got her connected. But she, who was once enmity with God, just because of that moment in history, she had a, some kind of some relative was either in the play or somebody invited her, and so she just showed up with her family. And again, I just another it was a kind of a hard thing to do, or at least I've been my experience. It's a hard thing to do. She was sitting right over there, and there was a bunch of her family. She was in the midst of the family, and she's one of the people that raised their hand. And God worked a miracle. Why did God work a miracle? Or how did God work a miracle? Just simply because he sent a son. Unto her, a child was given. And it was given that night in such a very real and profound way that in my way of thinking, it's undeniable. So those shepherds of Bethlehem who saw many sheep born who were destined to die as a sacrifice for sin because Bethlehem was just right in the outskirts of Jerusalem and the sheep that they raised more than likely were the ones that were to be used in the sacrifice. Now they've seen the Lamb of God who is going to take away the sins of the world in that cave, in a feeding trough. And there he is. And they're understanding there's something special about that, that child. Next, the next thing that the shepherds say that they saw, they saw a Savior. There's one thing what Jesus has the potential to do, but it's another thing in what Jesus Christ was going to do. A Savior. This is where humanity has a stumbling block. God loved the world and God sent His Son and who's able to take away the sins of the world, but before this happens, you've got to recognize and understand that you're a sinner and that you have fallen short of the glory of God, and that there's a separation and there's a gulf between you, and that if your life would be required of you at that moment, if their lives would have been required of them at that moment, they would have been separated for, from God for eternity. But see, that was the, the, the whole reason of that son being sent. In, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, Jesus said, For I did not come to call the righteous, for one reason there is no righteous, but sinners to repentance. And unfortunately, we so easily leave out that key word, repentance, that everybody's got to come to the acknowledgement of their sin. And the problem is, all of our life, we're trying to cover the sin up. I'm trying to make you think more of myself than you really should. Trying to present myself as that perfect person, but I've got faults, and we all have faults. And before I came to Christ, it was a hard thing to admit that I had those faults, that I was a sinner, and that, well, I fell so short. But when I came to that realization, it's then that the grace of God really opened up to me. So a Savior is God's provision for the human condition of which we, apart from God, can do absolutely nothing about. And it's a commonality that is common, if you will, to us all. Turn over to the right to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, I'll back up to verse 
uh, 16, and then we'll flow through to verse 21. Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16 through 21. So again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, through Jesus, might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. And what that is saying is we're condemned out of the womb. Does that mean that any child that passes away is going to be condemned? No, that's not what it's saying. There's more than like the age of accountability and God is gracious, but as far as me, I was a sinner. I was a sinner from birth and I continue to be. I'm just covered by the grace of God now, but it had to, I had to come to that realization. He's condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because, of their, de- because their deeds were evil. For everyone, who practicing, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. We all spend a lot of time trying to hide those things or ignore those things. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Last night I got home. My wife says, she was on the phone, all right? She was texting or something, I don't remember. But she was doing her thing. She goes, do you want to go to Chelsea's house for dinner tonight? Sure. My daughter, which really means my grandson, Henry. And so I, we go over to my, my grandson's house, and they kind of come out outside, and I pick them up, and their lights, their Christmas lights are on, and then all the house, and I just kind of was looking out, you know, up on the porch and holding them and looking, and going, lights, lights. He does S's really well. He's only two years, not even two years old. Lights, and he's looking at the lights, and he's, I go, well, there's your lights, and he's looking up at the lights, and you can just see the glow in his face and the fascination with all of these colors and everything that is there. Well, Jesus has come into the world as a light. That child is a light, and there should be fascination in that, that this is the light of God. Not just somebody's idea, not just a philosophy or a philosopher, but this is God's solution for the sin, man's sinful condition. But see, there's, there's, there's something here that you can't ignore. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. And so what is being hammered home here is the necessity to believe. God didn't just throw the blanket of grace over all humanity by the sending of a son and say, there, there's a Savior and everybody's saved. There's a decision to be made. There's a decision to be made. And so we give that opportunity for a decision, and that's what I did Sunday, and people responded to. And, but there's a necessity for a decision. So as we're sitting here, and how many Bible studies have you sat in? Consider that. Some of us, thousands upon thousands. Maybe some of us, this is the first one. But I've got to consider, have I believed? Have I believed? Because it's so easy just to have always been there, but without believing. To believe is to commit yourself to a concept with the expectation of receiving something in return. And there's Jesus Christ, and he offers salvation. But you've got to believe. But if you believe you will receive salvation in return. And so I kind of interjected in my study here, I have it in my notes, time for a Christmas Eve pop quiz. Just another time of evaluation so that, well, you can make the determination, 
if you really believe. The first thing I want to ask you is, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? Because if Jesus Christ is not God, then he simply died because of his own sins. But the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is God. Romans chapter 9, verse 5, Titus 2.13, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. See, if you do not believe that Jesus Christ is God, then you're not born again. It's imperative that you believe. Secondly, do you believe in Christ's atoning death upon the cross? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for the sins of humanity? But more directly, do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your own sins? If you don't believe in Jesus' atoning death upon the cross, if you do not believe that he died for your sins, then you're not saved. Thirdly, do you believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead? The Bible says that he was. That he was. Matter of fact, if he wasn't resurrected from the dead, then he was not who he said that he was. I've got to believe in the resurrection. If I don't believe in the resurrection, then my Savior is dead, and I'm dead in my sins and my trespasses. So if I don't believe in that, then I'm not a Christian. Do you believe that Jesus Christ exists today in heaven, seated at the throne? The Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for me. The Bible says that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. The Bible says that he's there and he's caring for me and watching over me. If I don't believe in that, I'm not a Christian. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life today? Again, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? And there's only one way to know that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. There's only one way to know that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. Do you do the things that he says? Are you obedient to him? As you study the word of God, as God is speaking to you, are you obedient? It starts at the moment of salvation, but works through to your every day. Because again, there's nothing worse. You know, what, what, what is probably the number one problem that people who are unbelievers have against the church? Oh, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Well, they're right, we are, but I pray that we're hypocrites that are doing the best that we possibly can. But far be it from us that we would blaspheme the name of God, take the name of God in vain by just ignoring the things that God speaks to us and how he guides us. John 3, verse 36, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So I've got to know, I must understand that I believe. They just went to see a little child. This child, when they looked into him, they understood that he's born unto us. And then they came to the realization that this child, this child is Savior. And to understand Savior, you have to understand sinner. Because if you don't understand sinner, then why do you need a Savior? But God came so that we may be saved. To be born again you truly must believe. Thirdly, the third thing that the shepherds say that they saw was the Christ. Back in chapter 2, verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ, not a name, but a title. Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name. It's his title. In Hebrew, Messiah, and Greek, Christ. Either way, he is the anointed one. It's here, his title, that Jesus is connected with the past prophecies of the Old Testament for the purpose of revealing the truth of his identity. We connect him with the past prophecies to know the truthfulness of who he was, but also who he is today. We are told in the Old Testament that the Christ was to be the seed of a woman, which speaks of his virgin birth. 
We're blatantly told of his virgin birth in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. The Christ was to be of the line of Abraham, Judah, and David. Jesus Christ fit that. The Christ was to be born in Bethlehem. Again, Christ was to be born of a virgin. Christ was to work many miracles. The Christ was to be born during the time of the second temple and die before its destruction. The Christ will be crucified, resurrected, and ascend to the throne room of the Father. And most importantly, the Christ will come again. This baby is a very busy baby. And I can only imagine Mary, again, more than likely about 14 years old, she's been told that she's going to be having this this child, although she knows, without a doubt, that she's a virgin. She understands the ramifications of that because to be found with child, to be betrothed and not have it be your husband, that's considered to be adultery. And, <coughs> excuse me. And the penalty for adultery is stoning. But nonetheless, she's got a boldness in the Lord and what God has told her, and there she goes, and she gives birth to that baby. Most of you are familiar with that song, Mary, Did You Know? I just want to read a couple of the lyrics of it, the first part. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? Did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you and soon deliver all of humanity. And again, just as Dr. Luke is taking the testimony of people in order to construct this gospel, we all got something to add. Not adding to God's word, but just to add because we relate to this and we understand this. Even as this baby she delivered, delivered her, delivered me as well. I can look at my life and I see the change that God has made. I look at the life of my wife and see the change that he's made, see the change that he has made in my family, and it all lends towards God and who God is and what God has done and what God continues to do. And what a mighty God and awesome Savior that we serve. This is truly the Christ, the anointed one. This baby, well, with all the babies that are born, this one was just so special and even so personal. And then the last things that the shepherds say that they saw was the Lord. Again, verse 11, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, just as surely as Jesus is born to us all and become our Savior, and we know that he is the Christ, he also again has to be our Lord. In the Bible we are shown this transformation of the realization of Jesus Christ as Lord in doubting Thomas. Thomas wasn't there at the appearance of the resurrected Lord. I'll I'll just read it in John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. And so he said to them, Unless I see his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand to his side, I will not believe. Well, we know Thomas. He's got a big issue here. He's not believing And we've already seen the ramifications because of that. And what is he rejecting? He's rejecting the testimony or the witness of those who have experienced Christ. The same thing that happens today. And he's saying, I'm not going to believe by faith. I've got to see. Verse 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, notice he is reaching Thomas in a very personal way, exactly where Thomas is at, reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, 
but believing. John is just hammering that point home. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. The two go hand in hand. Because a lot of people will recognize God. They'll recognize the existence of God. They may even recognize that Jesus Christ was God. But if he's not your Lord, it does you no benefit. Matter of fact, it'll be to your terror one day that he is God. Because of the terror of the Lord, we persuade men or we preach the gospel in a way that they're able to understand. But here he comes to that realization. Now, notice nowhere did it say that he stuck his hand in any of the wounds. That's not how belief is to come about. What he saw was, though, was the resurrected Lord. And he's understanding he was sent for me. He's my Savior. This is the Christ. And this is my Lord. And this is my God. Probably the most awesome testimony that is in the whole Bible is the realization of Thomas. My God, my Lord and my God. Your Lord will be the one who you respond to at their call through your obedience. Our Lord came in a way that we could comprehend and know his desire for us. Now, I want to look at, reading back in verse 11 through to verse 15, actually verse 20, the response of the shepherds upon the realization of these things. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I can imagine that had to be huge going on, the things going on in her life. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. So I can imagine Luke speaking to Theophilus. Mostly I just like saying the name. But Luke speaking to Theophilus. There were these shepherds, these people who were rejected by this holy, this righteous society, or at least seemingly self-righteous, not seemingly, but definitely self-righteous society. But God appeared to them as they were going about their daily routine, and it altered their life. Yeah, they were angels. What are angels? Angels are just simply messengers, but these messengers of God appeared to them, and what did they do? They came to Christ. And as they came to Christ, they saw and they comprehended who he was. But they didn't stay there in that stable It was time to leave to go back. And what did they do when they left? Verse 20 again, Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And again, it's the essence of what we've been called to do, to be that witness, to share of what we have seen, to share what God has done in our lives. And that's exactly what the shepherds did. And they, somewhere along the line, it got the message got to Luke. And now Luke is passing it on to Theophilus. But because Luke was faithful in doing that, here we are sitting and talking about that today. But it's not good enough just to sit and talk about it. I must talk to others about it as well. 
I need to receive of it, but I also need to give of it. Because God is starting at this point, just this line of events that is going to continue on throughout all of humanity. It was written in the Word, but did you just pick up a Bible and get saved? Did anybody here do that? I mean, it's possible. Did anybody do that? I picked up a Bible when I was unsaved, and I read it and think, I don't know what in the world it's talking about, and put it down. It wasn't until somebody told me about Jesus. Somebody who, verse 11, who came in and saw this child was born unto them in the city of David. He was a savior because I'm a sinner. And he's Christ. He's the one who the scriptures had talked about all along. And he's now become my Lord and my God. And because that was so true, and because that last part, my Lord, they went in and they told somebody else who told somebody else who somewhere along the line told me. And again, it's this message that altered all of the course of history. Again, why 2,000 years later, probably plus years later, are you sitting here tonight? Our churches filled across this nation and even across the world. It's because of who that child was. It's because that child altered humanity. He altered the way we date ourselves. I'm just turned 57, and that's all based upon the date that was established because Jesus Christ changed the world at that time, at that point of his birth. And so, since he's done this great work in my life, since he's done this great work in your life, we need to tell him. We need to be a people who are proactive in this message. We need to be a people who rejoice. It's Christmas Eve. It's that special time when man puts aside all of his differences and all of this. But what's the problem after Christmas, the day after? What are you going to be doing the week after Christmas? We usually, well, usually what happens is We've got Christmas in our house. Some of those old familiar things all around the house that have been decorated. I go off to work and I come home. Christmas is gone. It's in about three or four boxes that I have to go put up in the attic until next year. And we can be, so, we can be a people who so easily do that, packing up Christ and putting him away. Even the world is acknowledging Merry Christmas. It seems to be a few more Merry Christmases this year than in times past. I think there's kind of been a since there was a negative backlash against that, I think in some of the stores and whatnot, it's come back a little bit. But they're not going to continue on in Christ because they're not in Christ. They're going to pack Jesus away. But we've, not told, well, we've been told not to pack him away. We are to told to go out and to tell and to speak of Jesus Christ and to speak of what he's done, to understand that this Christ came. Not only was he born unto me that day, but he was born unto all of humanity that day. Not only was he my savior, and so important as I recognize that I was a sinner, but as those in the world understand that they're a sinner, that he would be their savior as well. That he is the Christ, that he's the one who's been spoken of all of the time, or all of the Old Testament time. And as he was spoken of and he was prophesied, so he has come. But we know, so he is going to come again. And he is the Lord. And if he is your Lord, you can't help but speak of the good things that he's done. You're probably tired of me saying this by now, but you know what out there? They're playing our song. They're playing our song. Christ our Savior is born. They're playing it a lot better than that, but they're playing our song. And again, there, there's just such opportunity in that. You're going to be gathered together with family. My wife says, you know, when you get around your family, sometimes you check out. And she's right. Sometimes you just kind of so easily fall into the family mode. Well, I've told them. They've rejected them. We've got to stay sharp in this. We've got to sharpen our focus before this child. 
And we've got to understand the, the tragedy to lose somebody and have them slip off into eternity apart from Christ. God understood that. That's why the Savior came. And so this Christmas, not just this Christmas, this Christmas and beyond, don't pack them away. Let them out. Let them out. Let them out into your family. Let them out into your household. Let them out into the neighborhoods. It's all about Jesus Christ and him crucified because as we saw in John chapter 3, verses 16 to the end there, all humanity, they're apart from Christ, even from the womb. They must believe. But the only way they can believe, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as we go out there and tell them about Jesus Christ and him crucified. Father, once again, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this time of season. And Lord, and just the blessing that it truly is. I know of all the commercialization and all of those things, but nonetheless, it's an awesome opportunity to be able to gather together, be able to share the word of God and to rejoice, Lord, in what you have done and what you continue to do. But Lord, I do pray, Father, that as we look at the Savior, I pray, Father, that truly we consider him and, and understand and know who he is. To realize, Lord, that is all I have to do is believe. And again, John just made that, he just kept hammering that point home, that here's the evidence and you must believe to be right with God. God does not force us to believe, but he gives us the decision to make. And so based upon God's word, I pray for the decision. And the decision is very personal. And I pray if God's even speaking to you tonight, if we went through that list of belief, and if you found yourself lacking in any of the areas, ask God to, ask God to reveal the truthfulness of those things. I can't just tell you to believe in those things. You must receive them and believe them. But don't be rejecting. Just examine the evidence because the evidence is very clear of who that child was. That truly that child was born unto all of humanity. That that child is really a savior. That that child is the Christ. And make that child the Lord of your life. And so Father, once again, we just thank you for that Christmas present that continues to give every single year. That Lord, you would bless us and as we take that present from this place, that, Lord, you would work your salvation, not only in our lives, but through our lives and into the lives of others. So, Lord, we just worship you and praise you. We give you thanks for the fellowship that we have with one another and just the beautiful gift that you have given us of salvation. We just praise your name, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to go ahead and dismiss you. So it's kind of that awkward thing because you're used to a song being played.